Well, welcome to Good Company. It's Holly Taylor. I am so excited for this conversation as this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. It always has been since I was a teen. And now I have a nine and a seven-year-old uh, daughters. And um, I'm loving this. Sheila Ray Gregoire is our guest today. She's an author, a blogger. She's a face behind BearMarriage.com. And she is ruffling feathers in the church community for great reasons because she's having those hard conversations uh, with her books. Um, she's written quite a few, including The Great Sex Rescue. And most recently, uh, which just came out recently, she deserves better. Sheila Ray Gregoire, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. It's good to talk to you again. I know. We've been like through different phases of like my life, but like with your books, they've totally been so helpful as I've navigated marriage and now kids. And it's like you're writing books for me. So, Sheila, thank you. Yeah, I'm there for you, Holly. <laughs> I love it. Okay, let's talk about She Deserves Better. Um, I know you have two adult daughters of your own, two grandbabies. Were they the inspiration of this book or was it something else? You know, I think it was actually, this sounds so corny, but the public. Um, so we wrote The Great Sex Rescue two years ago, and we surveyed 20,000 predominantly evangelical women to figure out if there are certain messages really common in the evangelical church that end up hurting women's marital and sexual satisfaction. And if you all go on Amazon, like right now, look at the reviews, the most common words you'll hear are validating and freeing. So I had all these women saying to me, oh my gosh, Sheila, I feel so free. I feel so safe. But now I have no idea what to say to my kids mm -hmm. because I don't want to give them the toxic teachings I heard, but I also don't want the pendulum to swing to the other side. And I say to my 14 year old, go do whatever you want. So what do I do? Yes. <laughs> and, and that's really what inspired us. So we surveyed another 7000 women to find out what happened in church as teens and how does that affect you long term? Yeah, because it affects your self-esteem, the relationships that you had, maybe even like the marriage you selected was based on some of those teachings of purity culture and, you know, these really high standards for girls who didn't even understand their sexuality yet. Oh, yeah. It's super crazy and super cringy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So there is so many things that we could be talking about today. But let's kind of try to focus in on She Deserves Better, because like I said, I have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. And all of the teachings I learned weren't always the most healthy. And it's one of those things where you teach what you know. So mm -hmm. what are some of the things out of your book that... Um, people are finding helpful to dive into as they try to understand what they learned, unlearn it, and now teach it to the next generation. Yeah, I think the big ask that we have for people is realize that a lot of the things that we learned weren't actually from Jesus. They were from our church culture. Okay, so I'm going to give you the good news and the bad news. Are you ready? Uh, I guess. Uh, yes. Yes, I am. Okay, <laughs> so here's the good news. Church is good. Church attendance helps. Going to church, being a Christian results in better self-esteem, better marriages. It's great. But, and there's a really big but, as soon as girls internalize super toxic teachings about modesty, about consent, about how they need to be quiet and small, the benefits of church disappear. Hmm. 
And so we need to do better because Jesus said a bad tree can't bear good fruit and a good tree can't bear bad fruit. And so if there's a lot of bad fruit, there's something wrong. And we need to start start hacking off these branches, <laughs> hacking <laughs> off these limbs and growing something good. Yeah, which you can do, which is an incredible thing. Um, just from my own personal experience, when I was younger, I felt like I was supposed to be small, but I'm pretty loud just in general. Um, <laughs> definitely an extrovert. And so I was always feeling like I was fighting against that mentality. And like somehow I was wrong, but I knew in my heart I was right. We don't have to be diminished because of our gender. Exactly. Okay, here, I'm going to tell you something super toxic and gross that will that will really affect you, Holly. Okay. Okay. Because you have you have a nine year old and a seven year old girl, right? Yes. Okay. So here is a I'm going to tell you about a curriculum that was really big during purity culture called Secret Keeper Girl. There were Secret Keeper Girl conventions all across Canada. There were big events. It was a, a big um, study and book, and it's rebranded now, but it, it's it's not that different. But it told girls in one of the modesty tests that you need to make sure that your belly doesn't show because bellies are intoxicating. Sorry. <laughs> and then it had a conversation that moms were supposed to have with daughters where moms were supposed to explain to their daughters that intoxicating meant that men were out of control and that God created girls' bodies to be intoxicating to men, but we were only supposed to be intoxicating to one man, our husband. And so we needed to make sure that we didn't intoxicate other men by covering up. Now, this was directed at girls as young as eight. Hmm. So she was telling your daughters that her belly can cause adult men to go out of control. Mm -hmm. And this was widespread in the evangelical church. Yeah. It's like, it's It's shocking. It's not okay. Yeah. It's not okay. Yeah. (sighs) I mean, when you're eight, you should not be the sexual gatekeeper of yourself because you don't know what that even means. (laughs) Like, it's not age appropriate. You shouldn't be it when you're 12 or 16 either. Yeah. Like this is the big thing. Girls are not responsible for keeping men and boys from sinning. Mm-hmm. And this is what we were told. And the more that girls believe these messages, the worse everything gets. Like we measured four different modesty messages. And when girls believe things like boys are visual in a way that girls can never understand, or boys uh, can't help but lust if a girl is dressed like she's trying to entice it. Um, when they believe that, their chance of experiencing sexual pain as an adult goes up by 52%. And evangelical women have huge rates of sexual pain, around 23% of women. This is way higher than the general population, Mm -hmm. okay? Her chance of marrying an abuser goes up 68%. Oh, wow. Yeah, her chance of having low self-esteem goes up 30%. And self-esteem affects like our relationship health, our job trajectory, It, it affects everything, our mental health. So this is really toxic stuff, and we can talk about this in a better way. We can talk to girls about clothing choices in ways that are not linked to causing men to lust, in ways that are not shaming, but instead empowering, and we can talk to boys about it too. Yes. I mean, I giggle about like the belly button showing because some of it is also very cultural. Like some cultures, the ankle is the thing, you know, or the neck. And so it's just, you can't pinpoint a body part as the remedy of your purity. It's not, it's two different things, right? 
Yeah, and the more that we tell girls that they are a problem, that their bodies are problems, um, that boys and men can't help themselves because of girls. Like, for instance, um, the book for young women only by Shanti Felden, it told girls that 82% of boys felt little ability or little responsibility to stop in a makeout situation. And it advised if you want to stop, it's safest to not even start. Holly, 100% of boys have the ability to stop. Hmm. Why are we telling girls that boys are unable to stop? That is straight up rape culture. And this was this was taught in Brio magazine in our biggest books to teen girls. And this is what today's youth pastors were raised on. Hmm. This is what today's moms were raised on. And so many of us were hurt and we need to disentangle this so that we can do better for the next generation. It's also sad as um, when I think about just the boys I mean, you have no control, yet you're supposed to have all this control. It just, it seems like a very conflicting message. And I mean, I feel like they weren't empowered to say no or, you know, to learn self-control in that kind of way, to value women in a different kind of way. Absolutely. And they were also taught that like noticing that a a girl is pretty means you're lusting after her. Like we didn't have a good conversation about what lust actually is. And so a lot of boys, you know, they're 12, 13, 14, they're starting to have sexual feelings. And now they think, oh my goodness, I am sinning all the time Hmm. and everything is hopeless. Um, You know, so that's a huge issue too. But we also told boys, if you are able to stop, If you aren't enticed by pornography, if you do respect women, then you must not be a real man. Hmm. And it's just so off. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's a lot of wounds on both sides. I can see we've lived through it. I remember being told, you have to wear a T-shirt over your one-piece bathing suit. And yet the boys were just wearing shorts. And I was thinking, those abs are pretty fantastic. I mean, (laughs) I'm not supposed to be visually stimulated, but um, God made a good creature there. Just going to say. Um, so <laughs> I just I love that you are asking the hard questions, not just from your own place, but data-based, listening to women and trying to figure out how do we do better with the next generation. Yeah, and that's what this book is all about. She deserves better at the end of each chapter. We've got chapters on modesty, on boundaries, on dating, on consent, uh, on your faith, on emotions, all of that. And at the end of each chapter, we have really fun like role-playing, discussion questions, stuff that moms or dads or youth youth ministers can do with the girls um, to help them internalize the healthy stuff so that when they see toxic stuff on their Instagram feeds, on their TikTok feeds mm-hmm. of all the Christian influencers they follow, they'll be able to pinpoint, oh, wait, that's not actually of Jesus. That's not what Jesus says to me. And they won't internalize these toxic things either. Yeah. How can they know if they're not given that base, that foundation of what is holy, what is godly, what is true purity in God's eyes versus what does the world say? Exactly. Amazing. Okay. So where can people find your book? Okay. So she deserves better anywhere books are sold, or you can check me out at my website, baremarriage.com. That's B-A-R-E, baremarriage.com. You can find my Bear Marriage podcast, um, my other books, uh, like The Great Sex Rescue, even our puberty course is there. So go check it out at baremarriage.com. You know, I'll be doing it. Oh, this is a hard <laughs> season to navigate. <laughs> 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 Sheila Ray Gregoire, thank you so much for being a part of Good Company today. Thanks, Holly. 
Oh, I am so loving our conversation. We have to for sure uh, get a coffee at some point. But can you pause and we'll carry on our conversation for the podcast version of Good Company? Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Okay, so we're going to go a little bit longer in this conversation. You can check it out on the Good Company podcast as I'm speaking with author, blogger, uh, powerhouse woman, Sheila Rigg, Regwar. Uh, you can check her out online at bearmarriage.com, B-A-R-E, marriage.com.